We are in Champions League, man. That was my Dilly din, dilly dong, come on. I will love it if we beat them. Love it. This is the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast with Gary Kearney. Hello, welcome to the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast. My name is Gary Kernin. Hope everyone is enjoying the holidays, getting ready for a big 2022. Something a little bit different this week. If you listened to the last podcast, we were joined by a group of high school coaches, Nick Martin, Nicole Arsenault, Dan Rudolph, Adam Scott, Gerard Jones as well, joined us from Ulermley. We talked about some of the challenges that high school coaches were having, some potential solutions, how people dealt with different situations, different perspectives. And the objective was that we were looking to put together the most relevant content for the Modern Soccer Coach Virtual High School Coaches Conference on January 8th. So we've been working on that over the last couple of weeks, finalized the speakers, finalized the topics, started to work on some of the content. It's a full day, Saturday, January the 8th. It's going to go from 8 a.m. in the morning till 8 p.m. at night. We're going to put smaller presentations together, something a little bit different. So instead of like one hour long presentations that we've done for webinars, we're going to shoot for around 25 minutes. And what we're going to look for is a short and sharp and concise presentation from each presenter. And then we're going to discuss it with on the chat room. We're going to bring a couple of coaches in uh, to talk about it as well, different topics. And we're going to try and make it as interactive as possible. So we're going to make the day as relevant as possible, as interactive as possible, hopefully as enjoyable, as beneficial as possible as well. So what I wanted to do today for this podcast was to give you a little glimpse into what we're putting together and the different types of topics. If you're a high school coach, please, please look at registering modernsoccercoach.com slash shop. You can register right away. If you're not a high school coach and you work in this age range or you work outside the US and you're interested in it, you can still register. I promise the information is still applicable to coaches working in that 14 through 18 age bracket. So first off, and what I wanted to share a few presenters today and, and a few topics. First off, we're going to have Cody Royal involved. And if any of you are active on Twitter, I'm sure you will know Cody. He's a big, big voice on leadership, on culture. He's the author of the outstanding leadership books, The Tough Stuff and Where Others Won't. He works individually with elite head coaches on maximizing their potential. He's also spent six years as the head coach of Canada's national AFL program. Um, so he's a little bit of a unique role for Cody. He coaches the coaches, so to speak, at the elite level, works with professional coaches individually to get them to maximize themselves. So I wanted to get him on for one big reason, because sometimes I think in the in the pressure environment of trying to get the most out of our teams and trying to achieve our goals, with our teams, we sometimes don't take care of ourselves and sometimes the things that slip 
are not in fact little tactical things or things on the training ground. Sometimes it's just our well-being, our motivation, our energy levels, things that we want to keep as high as we can. So I wanted to get Cody on and, and basically look at how to maximize yourself as a leader. And some of his points in his presentation I've discussed it with him are absolutely fantastic. So here's a little snippet of what Cody is going to talk about. And this is a recent conversation I had with him in the lead up to the conference. So in Cody's presentation, he talks about how the coach is a performer and to look at ourselves as athletes and how we look after ourselves and manage ourselves throughout the season. A few great tips that we can take into daily life and how to make sure that we're at our best whenever we're with our team. So here's a little clip on uh, our conversation, a conversation I had with Cody recently about his presentation you know in, in looking at daily processes with the with the diet and with working out and you know would you how would you look at or how would you advise a, a coach i suppose on a daily weekly basis to put some effective processes around them yeah so the great thing is being the well experts or being people that deal in human performance is the great thing is we know some of those triggers that we could look at or some of those behaviors that we could look at that might be optimal because we, we do those for our players, right? And so I think we take a very similar approach to what we would look at for our players. And so if, if a player wasn't sleeping well or needed to sleep more or needed a particular diet, we would look at opportunities in what they're doing to make small behavior changes. And so some of the better ones I've seen, like John Herdman told me, you know, his, his naps go into his calendar first. So, you know, he knows that he needs to have a nap or a couple of naps a day. And, and you know, a regular day looks like this, but then a in-camp day looks like this. And so those are protected times because, again, as a, as a knowledge worker in a high-performance environment that needs you know, emotional uh, and, and mental resilience and, and awareness and decision-making and communication skills, unless he's napping, you know, it's not going to be at its optimum. So he, slot, he slots them in first. And so, yeah, I think there's opportunities for us to, you know, go line by line down what, what it is you're doing and make small incremental changes, you know, along the lines of that kind of atomic habits idea of don't try to do it all at once. But if you can get to bed a little bit earlier or you can get one 15-minute nap in or you can eat an apple instead of a, a Kit Kat, those are probably positive changes that will add up over time. You mentioned there about the identity and I'm kind of merging that then with Pep. You know, the vision now we have, of, and we all want to be Pep. Like, let's be honest, everyone wants to be Guardiola. But at the I, same I time, you know, you, you start, everyone's starting seasons and they're they're going to, know goal setting and try to win leagues and if you go and then don't present that to your team that we're trying to win do you then present yourself as not being competitive enough not believe enough i suppose what i'm asking is how do you met how do you manage or balance this uh without getting your hopes up and putting too much pressure on yourself in the first week how do you manage that on the front side just let me let me talk to what you said first there in that you know, I think we really need to reconsider what a competitor is. And, you know, particularly in 
coaching landscapes where being an ultimate competitor isn't, you know, kicking the water bottles and being in at 5 a.m. and all that sort of stuff, or at least it doesn't need to be. Uh, you know, coaching can look however we want it to look. It can, it can look like doing less and watching less video and making it more high quality and spending less hours in the, uh, in the arena, you know, kicking about because we know there's a lot of wasted time in there. Like we're kidding ourselves if we think that's all work time. And so I think that, that is a healthy place to start in thinking through what a competitor actually looks like. And then in terms of, you know, setting goals for our teams, I, I don't think it really, any of what I mentioned really impacts that. I think we can still be ruthless competitors, but I think we're, we're going to be more prepared for that if we factor in that, you know, depletion might be part of it and we might need to look at rest as a legitimate option. Like rest can, can mean you are a ruthless competitor. Let me put it that way. Because I'll tell you, I'll tell you who takes a bunch of naps, um, Giannis, and and like they've written articles about you know it, it can be two two and a half hours before a game for the Milwaukee Bucks. Mm. <laughs> so you won't find a bigger competitor in the world right now that that than him. And yet, part of that structure of being a ruthless competitor is making sure that he's ready to go at 7 p.m every night which means that rest is a part of that so mm. yeah, that's a change in mindset from what we have had in the past where it's like ruthless competition or ruthless competitor means you're in at five and you probably don't go home until wednesday because you sleep at the facility on a futon like that's just nonsense just a snippet there of cody's insight Full presentation coming up on January 8th. Brilliant, brilliant perspective. Something different, outside the box thinking. Uh, not the typical grind it out, 9 to 5 thinking. A lot of great stuff in there and a lot of stuff that we can take right into our own season. So super excited to get Cody on board for the conference on January 8th. Another guest speaker that I was really, really, really excited. One of the first people to call up. Donna Fischer, leadership coach, team architect. If Again, if you're active on social media today, you'll know exactly who she is. If you're active on United Soccer Coaches and the conferences and conventions, you'll know exactly who she is. She's worked for over 25 years at the youth, high school, college level. She works exclusively with teams, uh, mostly college teams. I've been fortunate enough to use her myself uh, when I was a college coach. And I don't mind saying it, she absolutely changed my world, made me think about things, made me see things that I hadn't considered, that I hadn't saw, and opened up a completely new side to coaching for me. So Donna is unbelievable, unbelievable perspective, unbelievable insight, but also an unbelievable speaker and presenter. So she's going to talk about leadership in her presentation for the Virtual High School Coaches Conference. She's going to talk about how we can develop leaders and how we can get more out of our players in terms of getting them to take a bit more responsibility and accountability on the leadership side. And here is a little snippet from a recent chat I had with Big D Donna Fister leading up to the high school conference. Two other scenarios, I suppose. Number one is like, all right, so say I'm a high school coach. Uh, I have a really talented player. 
she's the number 10. She scores goals. She's the best player every day. She's an introvert. She doesn't like mm-hmm. speaking. Um, <laughs> do I challenge her to be more vocal or do I take her or him as they are and, and start from there? As a leader, do you have to be vocal? Do you have to get out of your comfort zone, I suppose, is what I'm asking? You have to, you have to get out of your comfort zone. And I, I think coaches sometimes we throw up our hands and, and say, well, they are how they, you know, she is, or he is who, who she is. And, uh, you know, it's just, I, I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna get them to say, say anything. Well, that's not true. The, the old, I mean, you know, you know, this with me, that old quote, you can lead a, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Well, I disagree with that. You can put salt in that horse's mouth and you can make him thirsty. So there are, there are things that you can do and leaders need to be able to lead through different styles. Another, another thing coaches sometimes do is we think, well, there's the lead by example, you know, then there's the, the verbal leader. So you know, you got the mouth, that's, that's what she does. And then the, you know, the example, and they just, they are who they are. No, they need, you know, the, the introvert, like you're talking about in this scenario, can, we need that voice, potentially at at some points. And, and it can be a powerful voice, because maybe that person doesn't, doesn't talk much. And so, we need to encourage it, but we need to walk through the steps with that person. This is where, this is where we make the mistake is we force them. We coaches will take that introvert and literally force them to stand in front of the whole team and talk or say something that is, that is setting that kid up for failure. We can't, I mean, they're, they're uncomfortable. It's not their normal, it's not their normal way of doing things. And so we need to help them take smaller, smaller baby steps, bite-sized pieces. So uh, this, I've been in this scenario quite, quite a bit, quite a bit. And so I will say to that leader, Okay, I'm going to say we need we need to do better this next segment. All I want you to say is yes. Right? You're you're not the one up in front of everybody having to carry on a whole conversation. I just want you to put put wor- a word out there and and agree with me. So the spotlight's not on you introvert leader it's on me as coach but you're going to just start to drop some seeds start to become more comfortable then if that kid is in uh, a small group like uh, maybe you're doing 3v3 or something okay on your team you've got two teammates you got three teammates in your grid can you 
speak to them a little bit more. And so you start to to groom that that introvert player leader uh, to take those baby steps. We we can't throw them to the wolves and just say, well, you need to be able to do this. It's gonna you know. That's not how it works. They're human beings. And so uh, hopefully that answered answered that question. I think we've got to push them into discomfort as leaders, lead through different styles. Of course, everybody has their comfort style. But uh, we, we've got to, as coaches, we have to do that too. We have to, we have to kind of change our leadership styles from time to time. Brilliant. You're absolutely going to love the presentation from Donna Fischer, uh, the way that she can organize and help you develop leaders throughout the season and put processes and frameworks in place that can allow players to coach themselves uh, through different types of situations is absolutely brilliant. Highly, highly recommend checking that out. So we've got leadership. We've also got then the culture piece. We've got coaches learning how to look after themselves. Of course, we've got the soccer aspect to the day as well. There's an element of goalkeeping, element of game day managing. There's also the philosophy question. How do you start the season with a vision of putting in this great way to play the game and then sticking with that and committing through that there for the whole season uh, at a culture that may be a little bit more direct. Sometimes high school games are by nature three or four games a week. They can be quite transitional. How do you put those processes in place and again, commit to them? No better person to ask than Todd Bean. So again, Todd Bean, I'm sure everyone is aware of Todd's journey and Todd's messaging and what Todd stands for. So I wanted to get Todd on and advise coaches on the best ways to get that philosophy into action, uh, that possession-based philosophy onto the training ground day in, day out, how to work and improve players uh, and, and really, really embrace that side of the game, even though you might be up against it with different styles of play. So Todd on the soccer side, absolutely brilliant. Here is a little snippet from our conversation coming into his presentation on the Modern Soccer Coach High School Coaches Conference on January 8th. I think one of the, the biggest challenge challenges that high school coaches have is i mean they're going against the grain of almost a psychological challenge of playing against direct play um and constantly being up against this you know maybe it's a narrow football field maybe it's a surface and every every single week what's your advice to coaches that that they're up against it in this regard well i mean once you decide that if this is something that resonates with you and this is something you want to do then you're an educator Right. You're an educator as coach. So you're going to have to bring out and bring forth. You're going to have to teach these subjects. You're going to have to teach position play if you want your children to play in this fashion. If you want them to play, you know, boot it long and get a second ball and knock down, well, then that's a whole different set of skills and a whole different dynamic that you will train. That you will train that. Um, so it's important that more than anything else, not that it's Kovo style or Man City or Simsbury High School. It is that the way you train, that way that you train a player individually and collectively aligns with that style, that brand. 
So it does not make sense to do rondos and position play exercises and tight spaces and profile of your body and playing uh, off of one another in diamonds and triangles if basically you're just going to kick it long into this into the wing and get a knockdown ball. Well, then you're going to have to train that. You're probably going to select the varsity players that best suit that style. You will train that fitness associated with being able to get down the park, get a knockdown. You probably put a different type of nine in that position or different structure altogether to get that more distant direct play into your brand of football at your high school. And so what's most important is that you are training to your ideal, which is so critical to understand what your ideal is. And more importantly, that your players understand your ideal. At an individual level, what is your pact and promise to them? And a collective level, what is your pact and promise to them when you take on this season before you? And if there's clarity and continuity and consistency, you can win in every system, clearly. It is that alignment to me that makes your coaching more effective. And that clarity, which allows that to be abundantly available to the players and their understanding of why you're training the way you're training, why you are tactically set up to accomplish your objective and why you believe this gives your boys or girls the best opportunity for success as a team. When they have that clarity, they'll follow you because you will be the right educator to bring out and bring forth that brand that rests within them. And I think that alignment is critical. That promise is consistent and that pact is one that they can uh, hold on to and hold us as coaches accountable for, which I think is also important. You're going to love Todd's presentation, the the football side, and we wanted to get as much in the different angles as we could when we're looking at the football side of the high school conference. So we'll have Todd looking at philosophy. We'll also have Oliver Gage looking at merging the data side and analysis side. We'll also look at halftime coaching. We'll also look at goalkeeping. We'll also look at training setup as well and how to get different ideas and hopefully spark a little bit of creativity in that there too. Uh, so if you're a high school coach who's really interested in signing up, modernsoccercoach.com slash shop, you can get your ticket now. If you can't make the event on the Saturday, January 8th, don't worry, everyone who registers will get on-demand access, every presentation emailed back to them within 48 hours of the event concluding. So everyone will get video of every presentation. But if you can make the live event, there's going to be a lot of interactive work going on there with coaches throughout the day. So highly recommend that there. So we've got the leadership side, we've got the culture side. And the last thing we wanted to add was a little bit on the science side because the match loads are quite high, training loads are quite high. Coaches today are getting more information about GPS, about injury prevention, which is great. How do you manage that throughout a high school season? So we've got a couple of people who are specialising on that for the event. Bree Brown is the current strength and conditioning coach with Pittsburgh Women's Basketball, ACC. I worked with her last season at Racing Louisville. Fantastic fantastic ability has worked at the youth level as well as soccer and unbelievable ability to connect the dots between training load management nutrition diet all of those at different variables and one thing that i spoke to Bree recently that i wanted to ask her i know everyone always chats about it leading up to pre-season 
is fitness testing. So here was Bree's take on that there on a recent chat. Her presentation in the conference is top class. I'm putting you on the spot now. Okay. Fitness test day one, yes or no? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, so, you know, um, I think obviously there's context to that. Um, you know, I, I think submax testing um, has a time and a place, uh, you know, especially if you've kind of been around a group and you're going to see them multiple times through the season. Uh, you know, I personally, I personally think it's tough uh, fitness testing, you know, day one. Um, I, I definitely think that there's um, something to be said about, you know, an acclimatization period and, um, you know, stress levels and making sure that, you know, everyone's kind of primed and ready to actually get, um, you know, some solid data when you're testing like that. Um, but I also think in terms of fitness testing too, just doing it once at the beginning of, you know, a preseason might not necessarily give you very much information right off the bat. Um, that's why I think it's important that you kind of have benchmarks um, and a plan moving forward of when, you know, you might be retesting, you know, what exactly are you looking for in your fitness test um, and how that's actually going to correlate to, you know, what the game's going to be asking you, um, you know, and if you don't pass, you know, what's the plan in that regard? Um, or is that going to change your session planning? Is that going to change, you know, what you do in terms of top off sessions and whatnot? So, no, I don't think that that's the way to start, um, but there's a million ways to skin a cat. So um, I think that's something to be gradually built into. Um, but I'm also a big believer that I think if you're going to be fit, you have to actually play the game as well. So I think a fitness test can, you know, show you a lot of great, you know, information and give you some variables, but. I think playing the game of soccer is, you know, the best uh, fitness test that you can kind of achieve. So building up into that too, I think is really important. So again, back to the congested schedule, players that may go into the college game and they may want to do, they may be progressing ahead of other people with weights workouts and stuff like that. How would a, would a high school coach manage weights training inside a high school season? Yeah. So I, I think the weight room has a time and a place, um, but obviously like anything outside of playing soccer is going to be an added stress. Um, so that's why, you know, even if you're just using that RPE scaling um, to have them also rate some of the gym sessions to rate any, you know, rehab that they might be doing and adding that into the total load. I think that's, you know, obviously really important to be like cognizant of, um, you know, if you're playing multiple games in a week, is it going to be really important for you to do three weight sessions a week? Probably not. Um, you know, so I think looking at your schedule ahead and seeing, you know, what are going to be your quote unquote high loading days. And those will typically be your game days um, for, you know, obviously your high minute players. Um, so kind of working back from there, where can you fit in a gym session to provide maybe a little bit more of that stress um, to continue to train and obviously, um, look to continue to help mitigate injuries through um, strength training is really important um, and probably even more so important with maybe some of the players that aren't getting really high minutes um, to get a little bit more of that adaptation and stress that they might not be getting from the game. Um, but I think, you know, to keep it simple, like you got to keep the main thing, the main thing. So if, you know, that's training and playing soccer, 
you know, that's got to be, you know, priority A1. And then two after that, you know, where can you fit in some of these extra stressors, whether that's rehab, whether that's some of the strength training um, to make sure that it's complementing and not kind of pulling away and stretching some of these kids really, really thin um, across the week. So, um, you know, depending on like your game schedule, depending on your training schedule, I think that's going to be, um, you know, some of those limiting factors. But um, after that, I think it's really important to make sure that that's staying a very consistent part of your program. Um, but if you get one in in one week and you get two in the next week, that's okay. Um, but it's a matter of, you know, you know, where is that, where is that stress coming from and where does it need to come from at those different points in the season? The science has become such a big part of coaching today at, at every single level as coaches are getting more information about training loads and data and all that good stuff. So sometimes it can be really, really challenging for a high school coach when you've got such a tough, rigorous schedule but then you also don't have access to GPS units and all that good stuff. So Brie is designed a presentation around how to navigate around that there and how to manage wellness and how to learn to listen to players and maybe get a heads up on any potential issues. Alongside Bree's presentation is a presentation from Nicole Sedurka, who is the current director of rehab at the Tacoma Rain NWSL professional team. She's a former Division One player, really passionate about bridging the gap between rehab and performance. So Nicole is going to give us an insight on how to manage those training loads again and how to manage players who might be injured, integrating them into back into sessions and, and manage them mentally and emotionally through that process as well. Nicole has phenomenal insight and perspective into that there. So I wanted to chat there recently on, again, similar to Bree's question on how to manage the first couple of days into preseason. And this was her answer. What would you recommend someone does in the initial one or two days of preseason when they're almost conditioned to think that we got to get the fitness levels up as quick as possible? Yeah. So in the preseason that I actually, that is not a time. That's a time to be gradually building them. It needs to be a gradual build. Um, again, when your load overly exceeds your capacity, that's when there is potential for injury. And so knowing that somebody may have done not as much as you would have hoped for in the off season, it doesn't make sense to them push them beyond their limits in the preseason. Preseason is a time of gradual build and, and it's a time to see where they're at. So any, if you do any type of fitness assessments in those first couple of days, which is fair to do, I don't think it needs to be a, here's the minimum standard. And if you don't meet it, you have to do extra it needs to just be, okay, here's your starting point. Now, how do we gradually build on that? And that's that needs to be the paradigm shift that I think has happened mostly, um, especially since my days playing where it was, if you failed the fitness test, you were in the breakfast club doing uh, extra fitness sessions. But um, yeah, I, I think that we can do fitness assessments to see where they are, but it shouldn't be a a matter of you didn't hit the standards. Now you have to do more. It's a, this, this is your baseline. Now we know where you are and we have to build you up in a healthy and gradual progression. Brilliant. Brilliant. Uh, um, you mentioned the relationship piece. 
with those difficult difficult times for players to be disconnected with the team as injured players, what what are some things coaches, head coaches can do just to, to check in, just daily things that they can be aware of? Yeah, I think just checking in with the athlete is making them still part of it. Our head coaches at, uh, at Rain have done a great job of like before a training session saying to me, okay, what can this person do? Here's the session. What can they do? And I would let them know. And then anything that the athlete can't do, maybe they're just on the outside of a session serving balls into a small sided game or into a, a, a certain drill. Um, and just that keeps them involved, keeps them engaged and keeps them learning the tactical side as well. You don't want an athlete to come back into the team after being away and now they feel disconnected from the group. So their rhythm is going to be off, which it is naturally already. And then they also haven't been caught up tactically. So now they're even further behind than they were before the injury. Um, it should be a smoother transition for them. So if the coach can just, you know, hey, uh, can you serve balls in for, for this session? Keep them around the team as much as you can. Um, I think that's really important. And then just you know, being an empathetic human being and asking them how they're doing, how they're feeling and um, asking if there's anything that you can do to support them. Great stuff there from Nicole. Again, like all the presentations are designed to give you almost like a toolkit of to get through a, a full high school season, managing the science, managing philosophy, managing culture, leadership, managing the tactics, managing the training and managing yourself and enjoying the roller coaster and getting as much out of it for you and your players. So really, really enjoyed putting all this together. I'm really, really grateful to all the high school coaches that I've connected with that have given me a little roadmap into the challenges that they're facing and to make this conference as realistic as possible to help them, uh, giving them different insights from different people in the field with some great perspectives. Uh, so we've also wanted to make the event, like I said, as interactive as possible. So I'll try and facilitate all these presentations with coaches and communicate and try to get different coaches on throughout the day and try to make it as, as enjoyable a learning experience. This is the first one we've done where it's an all-day event. We have 12 guest speakers. We're going to go for 12 hours We've got a lot of great sponsors that have helped us get this event up and running. Wanted to give us a big, big shout out to people at Spideo, people at Duke Dick Brand, people at Keyframe, people at Techni Football, Coach Tech and you Learnbly as well. Really, really appreciate all the sponsors getting on board. Coaches, please go ahead, check it out on modernsoccercoach.com slash shop. Go ahead, order your ticket. If you can't make the live event, don't worry, you'll get all the access to the on-demand work after the presentation. If you're not a high school coach and you're interested and you want to support what we're doing, we would love to have you on board as well. I've said this in the other interviews that we've had in the podcast. If you sign up and you have an assistant coach, I'll take care of their pass as well. If you just shoot me an email, gary at modernsoccercoach.com. If you want to help out any coaches, please let me know, gary at modernsoccercoach.com. Shoot me an email, modernsoccercoach.com slash shop. You can order your ticket, your pass for the full day. It will be a great event. I can guarantee it. Um, really appreciate all your support. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. Hope everyone has a great 
2022 and look forward to keeping the content going thank you everyone talk soon goodbye thank you for listening to the modern soccer coach podcast for more coaching topics sessions and resources head on over to coach kernine on facebook or visit the website at www.modernsoccercoach.com